Hey guys, welcome back to Gaming Trim Podcast. This is your host, Erica, and I am joined with... The Dazzling John. The Dazzling John. It is just me and you today, John. Oh it's my like God. old times. Oh, I know. I know. Oh, we're so social distancing right now. <laughs> <laughs> to be honest, we're like kind of testing out audio. <laughs> uh, but we're, we're still going to have fun. This is still going to be a good episode. Oh, yes. Lots of fun. Lots of uh, knock-knock jokes. You know, back to the classics. Dad jokes. Yeah, that's what John is all about. <laughs> and I'm not even a dad. <laughs> <laughs> but this episode, it is Games in Space. Space. The final space, frontier. Space, space. These are the voyages <laughs> of Gaming Trend Podcast. <laughs> uh, but let's head on into Game On. Game On. Now, the first game we're going to talk about is Space Invaders. It was released in July 1978. I think Space Invaders is like the OG space game. Mm, there's a couple of them beforehand, but Space Invaders um, is the most popular and well-known. And that's what I'm saying. That's what I'm saying. Like, it's like, but it's like daddy. It's like <laughs> space daddy. <laughs> yeah, so it was actually kind of interesting. I have trivia. Trivia. Apparently, the creator for Space Invaders had no intention of entering the gaming industry whatsoever. What was he going to do with it? Uh, he was pretty much fascinated by science and electronics as a child and studied engineering at Tokyo Denkai University and graduated in 1968. He specialized in television circuitry. Television secretary. Circuitry. Circuitry. Okay, I was like, what? <laughs> yes, yeah, the television secretary. It's like a circuitry. <laughs> I don't know. Like, oh, okay, that's interesting. <laughs> A year after his graduation, he managed to get a job at Taito. The one to just moving into video games. And also, it was inspired by the video game Breakout. It was inspired by what? The video game Breakout. One of my favorite games. Yeah, the little, little ball that hits all the things. That's yep. a very relaxing game. Early versions of the game were much different. Initial idea had the player shooting down planes, tanks, and soldiers. The idea was later rejected by the bosses at Taito, who did not want a game featuring the images of war. <laughs> I mean, it's a good, good, good point. <laughs> yeah, so now we have the squids, the crabs, the octopuses. <laughs> wow, that's super. I, I never knew that. That's very interesting. I think one of the closest games to my heart is Doom. The OG one, 1993. My brother would play it on the computer. And I think that's like one of the first things that I was ever exposed to. So, I mean, I was born in 1990. So this is like, I'm talking about, I was like a baby watching my bro play Doom. And I still have memories about it. I still remember the damn codes. <laughs> You're so old. <laughs> IDDQD and IDKFA. All oh ammo, skeleton gosh. keys, and god mode. We play most of our games pretty fairly. We like to torment ourselves. Doom is a first-person shooter presented in the early 3D graphics. Don't you just love those graphics? <laughs> oh, it was fun. No matter which way you're facing, you always are looking dead on at them. <laughs> I would get lost. I would just, like, run into a wall, and I'm like, where am I? <laughs> but, like, am I in a room? Am I in a hallway? No, I'm just running into a wall right here. It's okay. Uh, but the player controls an unnamed space marine. The later term, Doom Guy, which is pretty funny, but it's, a like, a marine, a space marine. Space Force! <laughs> space Force! <laughs> Through a series of levels set in military bases on the moon of Mars and in hell <laughs> to finish a level, the player must traverse through the area to reach a marked exit room. Levels are grouped together into named episodes, with the final level focusing on a boss fight with a particularly difficult enemy. <laughs> 
why the levels are presented in 3D perspective. The enemies and objects are instead 2D sprites presented from several set viewing angles, a technique sometimes referred as 2.5D graphics. Levels are often labyrinth, and a full-screen automat is available, which shows the areas explored to that point. And that's when you press tab, and that's when those things come up in wonderful vector graphics. <laughs> the labyrinth parts were the worst. Yes. I, I hate, I mean, running from room to room, fighting those little sprites, as they call it. Okay, that's 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 a different thing. But the labyrinths. Oh, yes, but there's still one thing, though. You didn't really have to aim your weapons with, with Doom at all. Really? No, as long as they're on the screen, your bullets magically flew towards them, wherever they were. You know what? I think you're kind of right. Yeah. <laughs> But I mean, it was a it was a hard game as is. I mean, the graphics itself. I mean, Doom. You can play on anything that has a screen and <laughs> buttons, even a cheap digital camera. <laughs> Another one of my favorites, Metroid, nineteen eighty six. A lot of people thought in the very beginning Samus was a man, and then that's why whenever she revealed herself, spoiler alert, whenever she took off her helmet, it revealed like the long blonde flowing hair. A lot, a lot of people my generation were like, "Oh my god, I was playing it's as a, a girl." Woman. But anyway, man or not, beautiful. So in the year, it says 20X5. So I don't even yeah, know what that is. They ran out of calendars. Okay, so <laughs> in the year 20X5, the space pirates attack a galactic federation-owned space research vessel and see samples of Metroid creatures. The parasitic life forms discovered on the planet SR388, dangerous floating organisms, the Metroid can latch to any organism and drain its life energy to kill it. The space pirates plan to replicate Metroids by exposing them to beta rays and then using them as biological weapons to destroy all living beings that oppose them. While searching for the stolen Metroids, a Galactic Federation locates the space pirates base on operations on the planet Zebes. Zebes. Also, also Zebes. I don't know why you would call it Zebes, but you can say it either way. <laughs> it's planet blah. <laughs> the Federation assaults the planet, uh, but the pirates resist, forcing the Federation to retreat. As a last resort, the Federation decides to send a lone bounty hunter to penetrate the pirate's base and destroy Mother Brain, the biomechanical life form that controls the space pirate's fortress and its defenses. Considered the greatest of all bounty hunters, Samus Aaron is chosen for the mission. Samus lands on the surface of Zebes. <laughs> and explores the planet, traveling through the planet's cavern. She eventually comes across Kraid, an ally of the space pirates, and Ridley, the space pirates' commander, and defeats them both. Eventually, Samus finds and destroys Mother Brain. A time bomb is then placed and destroys the lair, and then she escapes where it explodes. And then, you know, Samus. Oh, yeah. And the fun <laughs> thing is, you, when you start the game, you get the little pea shooter that's her blaster arm. That's it. I still want to know how she wraps up her body into a tiny ball. Oh, that's just uh, space magic. It's space magic. I mean, mm. I mean, it's a tiny ball too. We're not talking about. Well, it's, okay, it's, maybe she was in the circus. We're not talking no. about. She took some. No, she was like like little little tiny ball. I said it's the year twenty x five. There's no calendars. Science has <laughs> gone amazing where they just tell transport you and compress you in this little tiny ball. And you can run around and blow stuff up with it and hop around. It's fun. That's what the scientists tell you. But they don't realize you're going to die. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, at least they don't need chiropractors anymore. That's what I'm guessing. 
No, they just need uh, D chiropractors. <laughs> That's what I I mean. It's insane. <laughs> uh, Halo. Uh, I I would play this game all the time when it came out. I remember when the first Xbox came out, and I mean when we grew up, it was Sony PlayStation and Nintendo. You know what I'm saying? I was an early adult when that came out. (laughs) (laughs) Well, I'm sorry. When I was a kid, so when I was a kid, that was it. And then, of course, you had, like, Dreamcast and a couple other ones try to peek up a little bit. Then they fell back down. But then Xbox. And no one knew if it was going to be a big hit, whatever. I'm going to say Halo made Xbox. I'm going to put that out there. I don't care if you don't agree. Well, yeah, because it's Microsoft's only game. But yeah, no, um, my brother bought it, and we would spend every night, we would play every level, Legendary Co-op. Ooh. How many yes. times did you die? A lot. <laughs> <laughs> but I mean, honestly, I mean, in 2001, I was, what, 11? So he didn't have me there to be like an, ex- like an experienced gamer. He used me as a meat shield. So. Oh my god, that means I was... You were 11, I was 19. Yeah, that's gross. Oh, that's just weird. <laughs> it is super weird. <laughs> oh, I forget you're young sometimes. I know. It's it's really uncomfortable when you, like, put it in, like, younger years. But, yeah, when you're talking about when I'm nine and you're in high school. <laughs> yes, it is weird like that, you know? Because then I start thinking about weird things like, okay, who's the strongest Power Ranger? i mean like me i was graduating elementary school when my partner was graduating high school wow (laughs) yeah it's 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 weird it's a little creepy you can say boyfriend that's fine (laughs) no it's just it sounds weird when i say boyfriends i don't know but then people i hear partner and it's just like are you on the police force (laughs) yeah i don't know maybe that's just like a european thing i know that like overseas partners more common to say so i've always just said partner uh but i know this is american that confuses people (laughs) tomato tomato pickle i don't care that's that's what it is (laughs) halo originally wasn't supposed to be a shooting game what would you do it was conceived as a real-time strategy game in the same vein as you know command and conquer and warcraft gamers would still control spartan units but not as first person. Huh. And also, it was kind of the same thing when Halo 1 came out. Well, the programmers decided to make the little single pistol gun. Yeah. Uh, that is the strongest weapon in the entire game. Is the handgun. I love, I love the needlers. I, I would hunt... Oh, yeah. I would kill all the little babies, or the floods. We would call them babies. I, spider, we t- would spider, kill them. spider turkeys. Yes, and we would kill them, and then, yes, we, my my brother and I had weird names. So, for the little short creatures, we called those shorties. Um, of course. For, for the monsters that would pop and release all those spiders, oh, yeah. we called those poppers or big mamas. Um, oh, my God. We had so many weird names for these, and we would just be like, get the shorties. No, they're attacking. Oh, where are they coming from? And, like, we'd just be yelling at each other at, like, 2 a.m., and my brother's room shared a wall with my parents' room. And so, like, 3 a.m., we would hear our parents just banging on the wall, telling us to shut up. And it was a lot of good memories. <laughs> and do you want to know how old Master Chief was in Halo 1? 
But does he really have an age if he's not even a body? Yes. He does have an age. Okay, yes. how old is he? He was in his 40s. While all the other recruits are like in their teens. But he didn't even have, he doesn't even have a real body. No, no, he's a, he is a popsicle. And then they, they, th- they thawed him out in the microwave. So in the first game, he was a real person. It is a human, a genetically enhanced human who's actually about seven, eight feet tall. Interesting. I just thought everyone else was shorter. No, inside <laughs> a power armor. Interesting. Okay. Uh-huh. Yeah, because he, he was one of the experiments whenever the Covenant first started to attack the human race. They needed super soldiers, so unfortunately, you go with the whole lore and everything. He was an orphan, along with the other Spartans. And these are the ones and the ones that became like Master Chief, all the Spartans that, that you do see throughout the games. Those are the ones that survived the uh, enhancement. Yeah, a lot of uh, suicides. This game starts in 2525. Uh, in the distant past, a powerful race called the Forerunners fought an alien parasite known as the Flood, which is what we knew and played in the game. Uh, the Flood, which spread through infestation of sentient life, overran much of the Milky Way galaxy, exhausting all other strategies. The Forerunners conveyed the Halo Array ring-shaped mega structures and weapons of last resort and that would destroy all sentient life in the galaxy to stop the flood. Delaying as long as they could, the Forerunners activated the rings and uh, disappeared. I like how they said disappeared. They, they died. And everything, everything got obliterated and life restarted. So you had the ancient, the ancient Homo erectus and all that and all that growing, going back through the evolutionary cycle again. But so did the Flood. Right. And then, as we've talked about, you play the Spartan Master Chief, uh, John 117. Um, He's the last, well, one of the last few of the remaining Spartans. And uh, the rediscovery of the Halo Ring sets the humans against the Covenant, who believe they are instruments of transcendence, not destruction. Master Chief and his artificial intelligence, Cortana, are instrumental in the destruction of a Halo Ring to stop the Covenant and the threat of the Flood. The Covenant descends into civil war over the revelation their religion is false, and the disgraced former Covenant commander, Arbiter, and his race, the Sengeli, help the humans stop the Covenant leadership from activating the Halo army. The human Covenant war ends through conflict continues to rage through the universe. The UNSC creates a new generation of Spartans, and tensions between the UNSC and colonists resume. Everyone's happy. Space Force. <laughs> yeah, Space Force. <laughs> uh, but actually, uh, with Cortana as well, like she has evolved all the way through, especially with Halo 4. Yes. Whenever she started pixelating out. Mm-hmm. Uh, interesting thing with that, it was almost a British act- voice actress for her. They always do that. I think with every kind of navigation system, it's always a British accent. <laughs> oh, yeah. But they said with with someone that was American accent, mm-hmm. but you can still catch uh, British colloquialisms. You do from time yes. to time. Yes, yes, you do. I can totally agree with that. Another good game, is Super Super Mario Galaxy. Oh, the tiny planet. Yes, it's adorbs. I I think this is like the only lighthearted one we have picked <laughs> to talk about. <laughs> well, you know, you gotta balance it I out. Know, you gotta Death, balance it out. Mayhem, horrible, <laughs> evil. Mario! Mario! Uh, This game is amazing. Uh, It's set apart from most of the Mario games made. It's adorable. 
uh, Super Mario Galaxy set in outer space, where Mario travels through different galaxies to protect power stars, earned by completing missions, defeating a boss, or reaching a particular area. Each galaxy contains planetoids and orbiting structures for the player to explore. Each astronomical object has its own gravitational force, which uh, is not fun to play on. I don't like it, but I get it that they want to make these fun freaking puzzles that are amazing. Uh, okay. <laughs> Allowing the player to completely circumnavigate the planetoids walking sideways or upside down. The player can usually jump from one independent object and fall towards another one nearby. I died so many times <laughs> doing oh, this. So many times. Uh, although the main gameplay is in 3D, there are several areas in the game in which the player's movements are restricted to two-dimensional planes. As more power stars are collected, more galaxies and stars become available. The player is awarded the ability to play as Luigi after collecting 120 power stars as Mario. The player is rewarded one further challenge, which, upon completion, awards the player with the final two stars. And two commemorative pictures of the characters that can be sent to the Wii message board. Do you remember the Wii message board? I still have a Wii and a Wii U, yes. I, I have a Wii I and do. a Wii U. I'm just saying. But you can't connect to those You can't. Anymore. No, you cannot. They they just no. I can't I used to use my Wii as Netflix in the spare bedroom and you can't do that anymore. <laughs> oh I know. And of course I'm sure you had homebrew as well. I can either confirm nor deny. <laughs> uh, don't listen, Nintendo. <laughs> We love you, Nintendo. I was so excited when I was able to play Luigi because I thought it was going to be one of those games where Luigi's just doing his own thing and Mario's stuck out here. It was a super fun game. Little kids can play it too. Then that also makes you feel, you know, dumb. But nothing new for That's me. That's okay, Boomer. <laughs> you <can be> Boomer. <laughs> You're the Boomer, John. <laughs> but on that note. So before that was the new Super Mario Bros. And before that was Super Mario Sunshine. That feels like so long ago. <laughs> I have sunshine. Oh my gosh, that's crazy. Or you have that water pack on you that just... Like, it's such a weird, like, timeline between these games. Like, it goes from 1996, Mario 64, and then a huge jump to Super Mario Sunshine, and then another jump to Mario Bros. And then, since then, I think it's like every other year, a new Mario game comes out. Oh yeah, that's kind of the thing, like, with Zelda, where every new console, there's at least two Zelda games. I know! But, it, I mean, for a good couple years, like, between the late 90s and uh, the mid-2000s, there wasn't anything coming for yeah. Mario. I know. It was bad. <laughs> Those are bad years. No one was happy, as I was saying. No one was happy. No, no one was happy. No one happy. Yeah. Nintendo. Like, we want more Mario. Bye. Nintendo puts out Mario games to make people happy and to, like, make society happy. That's that's the happiness scales. The more Mario games come out, the more happier we are. <laughs> I'm that one with Zelda games, but yeah. <laughs> Mass Effect, uh, 2007. This was, for me... One of the most revolutionary RPGs that I've ever played. I know for most people, um, this wasn't their first one. But for me, the time limit on choosing an answer for dialogue and the variety of dialogue you could choose and the fact that how your choices affected the whole game, that was insane for me. Oh, yeah. Especially when you get from Mass Effect 1 to 2 and the choices you made in 1 severely yes. affect how two was like yes. oh i should have been nicer to this guy on the first one because he's addicted to me now <laughs> right and so that's i mean this was one of the first games where that 
I just like, whoa, like the, it's like transferring over. This is so cool. Um, pretty much all the other games before that in my experience, they like there might have been a couple differences. You might have gotten the extra cutscenes if you did some certain things, but the actual game itself wouldn't have changed. So for me, Mass Effect changed my view on RPGs and Mass Effect changed a lot of how other RPGs played as well. Uh, the final game we're going to talk about is a game that I actually just played and I am reviewing for Gaming Trend. It is called Deliver Us the Moon. So Deliver Us the Moon, they came out in 2019. And if you didn't know, it was actually funded on Kickstarter. Ooh. The basic visuals, they're pretty clean. They're whatever. But once you get out to the moon, once you're in those Range Rovers, I swear to whatever you worship, the visuals <laughs> the visuals are beyond stunning. I am going to have to come over in a quarantine suit and play this. Yeah, no, totally. Uh, Deliver Us the Moon is a sci-fi thriller set in an apocalyptic near future where Earth's natural resources are depleted. In an effort to solve the energy crisis, Global Powers created the World Space Agency and secured a promising new source of energy on the moon. The World Space Agency colonized and operated from the moon until one fateful night, all communications with Earth ceased and the energy source was lost. Now, years later, you assume the role of Earth's last astronaut on a do-or-die mission to investigate what happened and save humanity. Ooh, suicide run! <laughs> During this adventure, your only companion is a small robot named ASE. Together, you will traverse the moon, explore abandoned facilities, gather clues, and ultimately uncover the secrets and hidden agendas of those long gone. Will you save mankind or be forgotten in the dark abyss of space? <laughs> I'm already hooked on now. <laughs> if you love, if you love puzzles. Buy this game. I'm dead serious. I think it's on Steam for 25 bucks right now. I have it for the PS4. Love the PS4 graphics. But bro, if you love puzzles, get this. I died and rage quit a couple times, but you can play this game comfortably like three days. And that's a pretty that's a pretty good amount of game. Yeah, because I'm looking at some of the stuff here. It's like apparently your first steps aren't made on the moon, but instead unfold on Earth's surface, which looks eerily alien given the yellow sky and dust-filled air. Yes. So because the power source was lost, Earth was pretty much taken over by nature. So sand crept in. It's pretty much a post-apocalyptic world. Uh, there's, you know barely any kind of electricity. So that means that you're short on water, you're short on everything that you could have easily gotten before. And so that's why they need this astronaut to go to space. They need power so that Earth can survive. And now, let's go with something that just screams, take our money. Shut up and take my money. The first thing we have up now is Zeus, the creator of wallets by Haven Geek Zeus, the king of wallets. Ooh, I'm looking at these things right now. This kind of reminds me of one of the sponsors for one of the YouTube YouTubers I watch. These things look like mini hard drives, first of all. They look so spacey. That's why I picked this for this episode. They already have 725 backers, 35 days to go. It's a high-tech EDC wallet. It has a tracker alarm, an RFID blocking mechanism, and a modular design. Okay, it's got one more thing than the Ridge wallet. <laughs> it has a tracker right where you can track it from your phone and also if you drop the wallet the wallet actually starts to illuminate really yes so, it's very cool so it's got a glow stick in it 
Yes, essentially. <laughs> <laughs> um, but, it, but it's really cool. It has six slots for all of your cards. And you can also take apart the wallet and put in a money slot in it as well. Because there are people who still carry cash because they're drug dealers. I can either confirm nor deny. <laughs> the only people I know who carry cash are old men. I still have cash in my wallet. <laughs> You're an old man. <laughs> no, I have it for one specific reason. Do I spend the money out of it? No. These are for, uh, like, side jobs I've done. Okay, is that what that is? Okay, okay. It has two long lifetime batteries, up to two years. So what do they call it? Long life? Whatever. Anything more uh, than a double A <laughs> is long life. I guess so. <laughs> it actually does have an alarm sound system. Really? Yes, it does. It is 0.1 inches thick or three millimeters. Okay, we're going That's metric now. That's kind of weird. Uh, that's, an odd, that's an odd thing right there. This is made from, from the UK. Yeah, so. see, that's why they have. That's why they're all weird over there. Yeah. They got those weird measurements, you know, inches, it's so, inches, yeah, feet, no, yards. It's, that's it's, a normal standard right there. It's so <laughs> weird when I'm like, so how many? How many is it in meters? And you're like miles, meters. Which ones do I use? <laughs> well, a meter is like a yard. It's just a little I know. shorter. <laughs> I know. It's just really because, like, I have so many UK friends um, or European or whatever. And then I have, like, a lot of American friends. And then I I watch a lot of UK and European TV shows. And so it's not fun being me. <laughs> like, if you ever get stuck on, stuck overseas and you look at the look at the signs, like, okay, it's this far in the next town. Hey, it's in, it's in metric system. We're closer than we think. That's very true. Uh, But features stop theft. It uh, gets proximity alerts. Loudly ring a lost wallet from the app to find it by sound. Uh, Separation phone alert from 16 feet or 5 meters. So if somehow you get pickpocketed and you don't find out, your phone lets you know. Uh, There's also no monthly fee available for Android and iOS and connected via Bluetooth. How much are these things? Oh, they're $77 US. And that's not bad, considering it is not bad for 77 bucks. I wouldn't mind doing something like this, but the only thing is my wallet has, like, everything in my little folded piece of leather. Uh, These are for people who really just carry cards and cash. Yeah, that it, it wouldn't work for me because, you know, I also carry around our business cards and I like to have them in my folded piece. But of that's wallet. what you would put in the flat money clip. Yeah, area. but then I would ha- where would I put my money? I don't know, John. Stop carrying money like some poor person. <laughs> you know what? I have cash and I have crypto, <laughs> but nobody accepts crypto. You can also pay $91 and you can get eight card holders, one extra layer included, and another flat money clip. So the more you pay, the more like little things you get. Still, it's a, it's a lot right there. I like it. Like, it, it. It's a good idea. I do I do have to give it that. It, 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 it is it, a good idea. It's a good idea. It's sleek. It's stylish. You can find that via Kickstarter. And another great Kickstarter I found, which is about space, is Lunar. Building and testing a moon home for everyone. And this is by Saga Space Architects. Ooh. I can live in a dome. Now, these people are from Copenhagen, Denmark. Again, another European company. They have already met it. They're already fully backed, but they still have 10 days to go. They have 478 backers. These people went to make homes for when we go back to space. Ah, nothing's better than being in the ball. As you can imagine, space. There is no natural sunlight. There is no night and day. It's the final frontier. 
There is no vegetation. There is no different weather. People would go crazy. So yeah, if you think it's anything like Star Wars, it's not. (laughs) Exactly. So what they're trying to do at Saga Space Architects is they're trying to make your home habitable. They put in a wall of vegetation so you can grow fruits and vegetables and you can see greenery. They also have sunlights that are on the top part of the home. It dims and it fades through night and day. It also mimics seasons. So so in the winter, it's just going to turn the heater down naturally so you freeze. Well, yes. Oh, no, 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 no. <laughs> no, so for the different seasons, it actually changes the temperatures. It changes everything. So, I mean, these things are very nifty. I can see it now. It's going to be like Pluto Nash where they have to take it. Here, we managed to bring a chihuahua. You just pop in the deep freeze, transport it to the moon. And then here you go. Just pop it in the, in the microwave for about three minutes. Here you go. She's yipping all over the place. So they're actually um, compactable. It stretches out. It's kind of like an accordion in a way where it compresses to very small for transport. And then when you get to space or I guess an area you just want to be alone in, uh, you just stretch it out. And then it goes into its full, almost egg-shaped home. So the people are actually testing this out when this is all said and done. And they are going to go to the toughest climate on Earth and stay there for three months by themselves. Oh, uh, like right now I'm reading the missing challenges like negative 30 degrees Celsius. We don't know what that is. It's an unfolding habitat, but it's also protected by polar bears. Yes. Cabin fever, frostbite, muscle atrophy, total isolation, autonomy, all in the northern part of Greenland. And no, it is not green. Wow, this is actually... Now, here's one thing I'm trying to... Figure out. It's okay, it's an egg shape. You get an accordion out and all that. Right. Um, so we use those on Mars. How would you connect them if you had to go outside? And also, what if the person you're with is lactose intolerant and eats a piece of cheese? You're all going to die. They have separate, so I get what you're saying, you're making (laughs) poop jokes. Uh, They actually have separate area for your living area, and they call it a wet room, Uh, which is your bathing and potty area. Yeah, the the vacuum that pops over the space. Yes, but it looks like these are just for, like, one person. These aren't made for, like, a family unit or anything like that. Okay, it would be kind of cool if you figure out how to interconnect them all with tunnels. I'm guessing that they can do that the way that they look. It looks like that might be something that they can do in the future. But you can donate anywhere from $1 to $249. Um, you're not really buying a moon home. I'm sorry to tell you. Then why would I uh, get my money? <laughs> I want a well, moon you're, home. You're buying for the research. And I'm sure if they did do the research and they're actually going to make moon homes, I'm sure you'd be on the top of the list of getting a moon home, right? It better, it better be bigger than this. I want a moon pool. <laughs> <laughs> Do you like the uh, multi-plane design they have on this thing? Looks like a yes. whole bunch of polygons back from the PlayStation 1 era. Yes, that's exactly what it looks like. And then you have every angle, every flat surface is covered with these little solar panels. I'm kind of curious what the efficiency rating of them is. This is all conception so far. So I'm sure once they hit the money that they need, they would go more into detail. But with your donations, you pretty much get swag. You can get anything from a patch, a hoodie, a 3D printed Lunark Habitat model, which is it's a little model and you put it on your desk. But I think it's really cool that you can get your name engraved actually in the homes itself. Ooh. Yes, for being a backer. That's kind of cool. So yes. you had me a patch. 
<laughs> I mean, their hoodies are pretty nice, too. But yeah, they've been featured on Arc Daily, CNN Money Switzerland, Design Boom, Architekin, Business Insider, um, Uncrate. I mean, they have a lot of stuff that they've been featured in. Yeah, a couple of the uh, little s- sketches they have here of how it's going to come where it's all flattened out, then you expand it all. Now, that's the sketches that I'm actually looking at the full-scale mock-up. It's more like one and a half people. Like, two and a half people. But yeah, still, it's like, okay, so you stand there in the middle of this egg-shaped thing, like, okay, looking around. I'm going outside. Death. (laughs) (laughs) But continuing on from Take My Money, there are some new things in Nani that I want to talk about. Ah. Nani? So, Wednesday, we're going to space. Us personally? Yeah, America. Oh, I think it meant us. I have a rocket. Oh, no, Aww. no. Us as in, like, America us, not the we us. Oh, that's so... <laughs> but NASA SpaceX is to launch the first astronauts to space since 2011. Uh, a new era of human spaceflight is set to begin as American astronauts once again launch on the American rocket from American soil to the International Space Station as part of NASA's commercial crew program. NASA astronauts Robert Beckin and Douglas Hurley will fly the SpaceX Crew's Dragon spacecraft, lifting off of a Falcon 9 rocket at 4.33 p.m. Um, if none of you get those, those are pretty much nerd, you know, lingos right there. So if you get it, you don't, whatever. Uh, Space Force. EDT. <laughs> Space Force. <laughs> but they'll be leaving at 4.33 p.m. EDT, May 27th, from Launch Complex 39A in Florida for an extended stay at the space station for the Demo 2 mission. The specific duration of the mission is not to be determined. As the final flight test for SpaceX, this mission will validate the company's crew transportation system, including the launch pad, rocket spacecraft, and operational capabilities. This also will be the first time NASA astronauts will test the spacecraft systems in orbit. I'm just amazed at the, the spacesuits that they're wearing. Yes. This so reminds me of the, the spacesuits when it was in Star Trek First Contact, when mm-hmm. they're walking across the hull to get to the Borg at the main deflector dish. They are really similar. Elon! Musk is such a nerd, so I mean, I mean, he, he named it like Dragon. <laughs> I mean, it's like, yes, there's like a lot of nods to pulp culture and all this, and I can I can expect nothing less from Elon. Oh yeah, it's just it just brings one new thing to with how Star Trek has influenced science fact. Yes, I agree. Now, in Saturn news, Rona is still rampant in the year 2020. Oh, the crazy virus <laughs> that won't leave us alone. <laughs> I'm washing my hands so much. I'm starting to see the notes that I wrote to myself for cheat sheets on my hands. They're closing down a lot of businesses. And I guess the millennial in me is like great down with big business. But at the same time, it is kind of sad to see these um, companies that I used to go to as a kid suffer. So these companies are either filing Chapter 11 or Chapter 7 bankruptcy, which means that they're either not going to be around or they're reconstructing their debt. Now, some companies that are closing down, Gold's Gym. I mean, this is an iconic gym. This had over 700 gyms nationwide, uh, so they're closing. JCPenney, they filed for bankruptcy. Oh, yeah, well, that doesn't surprise me. They're... It doesn't surprise me, but still, JCPenney, pennies, as we call it. I mean, I used to go there as a kid. I used to go there as a kid, too. Remember, I was the last generation of mall rats. Oh, that is very true. People don't hang out at malls no, anymore. No, they're horrible they really now don't. because there's so much security there. They don't like people sitting. Yeah. 
They agree that. Pier 1 Imports. I'm not sad to see them go. I mean, they would sell a dresser for $1,000 when it's worth 200 So I'm glad they're closing. <laughs> Palais Royal, which is also stage stores. Oh, yeah. Also with Beals and a couple others. Yes. I don't know if you've been to Palais Royal recently, nope. but I went, I went, I want to say two, three years ago, and it looked rough. Oh. Palais Royal looked super rough. Okay, Neiman Marcus, though. Neiman Marcus. Oh, needless markups. They, uh, why would you buy a Hello Kitty t-shirt for $200? Like, I don't understand Neiman Marcus. I really don't. <laughs> well, we don't have that privilege. <laughs> we're poor we're poor I've walked through Neiman Marcus and felt my wallet shake with sh- and shiver with fear Hurts car rental uh, surprise no one's renting cars but you can buy them really cheap but it's one of those things where you really want a car with something that's been driven that many miles with that's very true. I would see. I'm wondering, like, with this going on with places like rental places, how are they cleaning? How are they sanitizing? Are they sanitizing? What they do is they take the alcohol bottle if they have it and waft it over the car, leaving it closed, just giving it the idea of it. <laughs> they just waft it. We're not really cleaning it. You're you're just saying it cleaned. <laughs> but either. But there's also one thing too. You know what the fastest car in the world is? A rental. Is that a joke? Oh, it's a joke, but it's one of those things. There are things you will do in a rental car you will not do with your own car. Yes, I totally (laughs) agree on that, yes. (laughs) Now, uh, the last one that I'm super surprised about is Borden Dairy. What? Now, they're not closing down. They're actually reconstructing their debt. One of the places that I was actually interviewing for was a milk company, and they said because of the coronavirus, uh, their milk, like they met their yearly quota the first month of the coronavirus because everyone was buying milk. Crazy. Oh, yeah, because you can freeze it for like three months. Right. So I don't know why Borden's is like suffering so bad during all this. Kind of the same thing with like uh, what's going on with like the meat and stuff like that, how they're saying there's a yeah. shortage. There really isn't a shortage. There isn't, yeah. It's just the meat processing people, which is the, there's like five, like three to five actual companies that control the meat supply. A whole bunch of the factories came down with Corona, and so they had to stop production. Mm-hmm. And so they're trying to get all those things deep clean and everything else and back up. So you have all these cows and chickens that just can't go anywhere. <laughs> All in all, I mean, it's crazy how much our economy is suffering from a virus. So I just hope that everything goes back to normal soonish. I want to get a job, as crazy as that sounds. <laughs> I want to go back to work and then not worry about dying. <laughs> well, I don't understand that. Um, me, I'm one of the expendables, I mean, essentials. That's exactly what you are, yes. an expendable. Yes, that's all of us. A lot of things, and we're not going to really go back to the new normal, the old normal. It's a new normal now. I'm wondering how we're going to socially interact and just interact in general. Are we going to stop shaking hands? Are we going to go to a formal bow? Or Megaphones. Are we going to start... <laughs> Megaphones. That's what I'm going to do. Are we going to start wearing masks, like, all the time? And I know that in Japan, that is their social norm. They really don't shake hands. They do wear face masks when they go into large public areas. Oh, well, same thing also. If they even, any individual feels like they're getting sick, they'll automatically put the mask on so they don't infect anyone else. Yes. I'm excited. I'm excited and I'm worried and I'm scared and I want to know what happens after this. I want to know how we're going to build each other up. How is society going to reformat after all this is over? A megaphone, me dressed up in Renaissance garb, 
pushing a wheelbarrow through my neighborhood, yelling out, bring out your dead. That's how it's going to start. And that is the end of our episode. <laughs> <laughs> you can follow me at the Raging Erica. That is Erica with a C. Pretty much anywhere on all social media and whatnot. So just look for me there. And you can follow me on Dogfin Studios on pretty much any platform. My video game streaming, which is under Mother Brain Gamer on YouTube and Twitch. And if you guys want to reach out to us, ask any questions, or just want to give us some ideas on what to talk about, you can always email us at podcast at gamingtrend.com. We'll catch you next week.